How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Bucks, Frank Madden joining you for a solo edition of the Locked on Bucks podcast. Eric Name is on his way from St. Louis to Milwaukee, driving late into the night. So I said, you know what, I don't really want to wait up late for that, Eric. I'm just going to do a solo pod. Okay, we'll, we'll catch up tomorrow, look ahead to another important week. They're all important weeks uh, here as we enter the last two of the NBA regular season. And wrapping up another weekend of two games, well... You know, I thought about doing, asking Eric to do like an emergency pod on Friday night after the Bucks dramatically came back to beat the Detroit Pistons. I thought better of it because it went out on, on Friday night. Eh, you know, whatever, we'll, we'll get to it Sunday. But man, there's a lot to unpack this weekend. Um, and it honestly felt a lot like last weekend, kind of a deja vu weekend. The Bucks, much as they did a week ago, they come back from their West Coast road trip. They beat the Atlanta Hawks on Friday night. They come back, get out to uh, a good start against the Chicago Bulls, but ultimately fall way short uh, in the second half and lose that game by 15 points. It's not exactly a fun way to end uh, a brief two-game homestand. This weekend, again, coming off a shorter road trip, but a two-game road trip uh, that couldn't have gone much better in terms of results. You beat the Hornets pretty easily on Tuesday. You shock the Boston Celtics on Thursday, and then you come home on Friday, and or excuse me, the, the Celtics were on Wednesday. You come home Friday, have a very beatable team, the Detroit Pistons, and the Bucks get off to a flying start. They're up 22-4 to at one point. They're up 35-18 to at one point. Uh, things looking like it's going to be an easy win, but these are the Bucks, So, you know, let's see how these things go. And, of course, Pistons come back, take the lead, and the Bucks needed a Thon Maker and Giannis Adetokounmpo inspired comeback in the fourth quarter, which, let's be honest, in the grand scheme of Bucks fandom, that's about the most fun of a comeback you can have. And they eventually take it to overtime. They win that game. Sunday, you have a chance to, to sweep the weekend, head into another road trip, another brief road trip, beginning in Oklahoma City on Tuesday with um, a huge win over the Mavericks, if you can get it. Uh, potentially your 41st win of the season to guarantee at least a 500 year. And unfortunately, again, doesn't happen. Um, the Mavericks come out very hot, seven out of seven to start the game. They started Dirk at center, which meant no interior defense for them, but also uh, they look pretty much unstoppable offensively, which is kind of weird because they're 24th in offense this season, which doesn't seem like they should be when you watch them today. But, um, but yeah, so uh, not to dig into those two deep, we'll get to those two games, uh, overall here in a moment. But uh, interestingly, you know, I, I kind of stepped away from these games and, you know, the Bucks have been in the standings. I mean, they've made up huge amounts of ground and the two kind of things going on here. And I think first off, let, let's dispel kind of the, the great myth of this Bucks season, or at least of the Bucks past six weeks. And that is that 
oh, the Bucks are playing so much better defense. And it's like the Bucks are playing better, I guess, is okay, right? You know, I went back and looked. I looked at the Bucks defense before and after the Jabari Parker injury. And sort of the, the, the dominating narrative right now is that, well, Jabari Parker got injured, but you know what? Chris Middleton came back, and now they're suddenly good defensively, and you know everything's kind of finally clicking, and they're this way better team. And okay, I mean they're eighteen and eight since Jabari Parker got hurt. They were twenty two and twenty nine before that. Clearly, that they are playing much better basketball. Um, you know, you don't win that many games purely by accident, but there's a fair bit of luck involved, right? So just 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 for illustrative purposes. Let's just take a look a little bit at, at what has been the key to the Bucks winning. And, you know, we talk a lot about the Bucks' defense improving, but here's the weird thing. In those 51 games, or 52 games before uh, before the Bucks lost Jabari Parker, they scored 106.9 points per 100. They allowed 106.5. They had that slight positive margin, but they were way under 500. They're 22 and 29 going into that game. Uh, through the games that, that Jabari played. And obviously you'd look at it and say, well, they weren't good in crunch time. But as we've said, I mean, a lot of crunch time successes, it, it does come down to luck. And they were never as bad as I think they maybe looked, <laughs> struggling down the stretch in all those games. So they were probably a bit unlucky, or they were definitely unlucky to be at that 22-29 record. And since then, so and, and if you want to think of it by a ranking sense, they were 12th in offense and 21st in defense at that point. Okay. Chris Middleton comes back. The offense has been better for sure, 109.5 points per 100, but defensively 107.2 allowed. So the defense has actually been worse since Jabari Parker's injury. Um, interestingly, if you look at their rankings, the ranking is slightly better actually uh, in both departments, ninth in offense, 19th in defense. But not exactly the profile of a team that is one of the hottest in the league from a winning and losing standpoint. And it's kind of a similar story if you look at it post-All-Star break. So if you strip away those few first few games uh, after Chris Middleton has just come back, if you look at where they've been since the All-Star break, um, they're 16th in defensive rating. So again, meh, okay, you know, better. But to think like, oh, okay, they just needed to lose Jabari Parker and now, you know, now the defense has gelled and now it's this machine or something like that. No, it's not, okay? It's, it's absolutely not. Um, they have some good tools. Obviously, you start with Giannis, um, Tony Snell, Chris Middleton. Uh, I mean, I think you know, Malcolm Brogdon uh, in a lot of matchups with the way he can switch and his strength. He's a guy who can be a plus defender. Uh, Delhi is maybe not a great one-on-one defender, but he's certainly an irritant. They're not lacking in guys who can play a little bit of defense, but the defense has been okay. And they've allowed fewer threes, and that's good but they've been giving it up in other ways. So what I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, some of these losses are kind of bound to happen. And, and I think it's kind of a glass half full glass half empty thing, right? The bucks before this loss to the Mavericks had won eight straight games that were decided by five or fewer points. And, you know, the, the positive narrative around that is a, when you're scrambling and scratching and clawing and trying to get into the playoffs, you don't care that much about how you're winning basketball games. You want to blow out every team, sure. But when you're a young team and you're just trying to establish yourself, and let's be honest too, the Bucks have had some, some difficult matchups here. They've had some long road trips 
Uh, and some of these close wins have come against good teams, right? Uh, Portland had been playing exceptional basketball when they won in Portland. The Clippers are inconsistent, but look, they're still the Clippers. They were at full strength when they beat them in L.A. The Celtics, beating the Celtics in Boston, that's a great win. Whether it's by three points or ten points, you're thrilled with that win. So they've had some really good wins, and yes, they've had some close wins. But overall, you know, this isn't a team that, again, is 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 dominating and blowing teams' doors off and, and doing that, right? Uh, you know, their point differential suggests they've been pretty good. Their wins and losses suggest they've been great. And, you know, in one way, that is a maybe an evening out of the bad luck they had early in the season. You know, when I mentioned they had a plus positive point differential and they were seven games under 500 early in the season before Jabari Parker got hurt. I mean, there, there's some bad luck in there, right? Um, that, no question. And, and so I think partly what you're seeing is some of that evening out with all these wins in, in close games. But be careful. <laughs> Basically, be careful, right? Don't look at this team and say, well, they're, they're playing as well as any team in the East. They're winning as many games as any team in the East right now, but you, you got to be a little bit careful, and, and I think you got to put it in context. So anyway, not to take anything away, these games have been ext- – I mean, this winning streak has been a blast, right? Or this winning spell, let's say, right? Friday night's game against the Pistons. Let's look at that one. Bucks playing without Malcolm Brogdon, who was the star of the show in Boston. Brogdon there has a reoccurrence of this back tightness, which I think also maybe makes these the, the split of the weekend a bit more tolerable because you're playing without Brogdon. Delhi has to come in. And to be honest, Delhi was, was fine this weekend. I mean, he was plus 21, I think, seven assists on Friday, 14 points on 11 shots, six assists, one turnover, plus three against the Mavericks. But Brogdon is a better player than him. And you feel a lot better about Delhi putting the, those numbers from the backup point guard spot than you from a starter. So they kind of came into the weekend. They get Michael Beasley back. But, um, you know, again, uh, you're missing Brogdon, especially at that point guard spot, which has been probably the weakest spot for the Bucks all season. And, and it was an interesting game on Friday. I mean, again, they get out to this really fast start. And you're thinking, okay, this can be a blowout. And then the Pistons just sort of, you know, do what NBA teams do. They scrape back into it. Giannis was, it was a weird night for Giannis. It was kind of a frustrating night. John Luer was doing a surprisingly competent job against him. And the Bucks kind of let the second unit, led by our old friend Bano Udre, uh, kind of claw Detroit back into the game. And they go down in the second half. And the fourth quarter was, you know, again, let's put aside all the, well, they haven't really been that good. The fourth quarter was a blast. Overtime was a blast. Giannis struggled at the free throw line. What was he? 12 out of 21 from the free throw line. Career high 21 attempts. And he was relentless. He was absolutely relentless in attacking the rim. I loved his tempo. You know, I think a lot of times when a team gets down, especially a young team, they may have the temptation to to try to get shots up early in the shot clock in terms of threes, try to get that quick three. And certainly for a lot of teams that can work, Bucks aren't necessarily a super prolific team from three, but Giannis, I thought, played with great tempo. He did not let sort of the uh, the slow ways of the Bucks in recent weeks uh, kind of get to him. You know, Chris Middleton may play slow. Greg Monroe might like to play slow. That's not Giannis's game, and, and I thought his aggression was a huge positive. And, you know, again, all those free throws, or I think it was 19 free throws, 
um, in that game. Uh, that was that was that was huge. Or sorry, no, 21. 14 out of 21 from the free throw line. Um, 28 points, 14 rebounds, nine assists, a steal, two blocks. Um, he played 45 minutes and was just huge. But the Bucks don't win this game without Thon Maker, and that's a pretty awesome sentence to say. Because let's be honest, coming into the season, I didn't think Thon necessarily would even play this year. Not only is he playing, he's starting. And yeah, it's kind of, you know, it's he, he starts and plays, you know, 10 or 12 minutes a game. He usually doesn't play in the second and fourth quarters. But he started very well against the Detroit Pistons. And you kind of thought, man, Greg Monroe was really struggling. He was one out of six from the field against his former team. He was, I think, a minus 21 or something like that. Uh, and, and honestly, minus 22. And it, and it felt like that. It felt like he was not getting out. You know, usually it's kind of weird with Monroe because even though he's like a big guy, he's not a guy that, you know, you think of being able to defend in space. It's almost like defensively he's got to hedge hard, got to maybe use his hands out on the perimeter defensively. If, if he hangs back, if, you know, opposing wings and guards have a chance to kind of get ahead of steam going on him, it's over, right? He, he's not going to be able to, to, to challenge shots at the rim. And it just felt like Ish Smith, Tobias Harris, it just felt like those guys – we're having their way with Greg Monroe on Friday and um, a really forgettable night for him. And much to my surprise, Jason Kidd did something that he just hasn't really done, which is go back to Thonmaker in the fourth quarter. And um, I mean, this was the Thonmaker game. We'll have to talk more with Eric about this on Monday, but um, he had uh, just some huge plays in this game, four out of seven from three. And some of those threes were uh, massive in helping the Bucks come back. He, picks up a loose ball after Giannis gets stripped in the final minute, gets a layup to tie it, um, hits another three in, in overtime. Uh, Giannis throws a, a bullet of a pass in transition. There's no way Giannis should have made this pass, to be honest, because, again, it's such a risk. But Thon catches it, kind of bobbles it, and in one motion goes up and lays it in. An incredible play by both guys. Uh, and honestly, if if both of these guys are, or Giannis is, you know, I was joking that if he was a 10-year veteran, he's probably too smart to even try to make that pass. But he spoke in such glowing terms about Thon after the game. And we, we've seen this from Giannis all season. He really believes in Thon. He wants him to make plays. He wants him to believe. He said in the post game, you know, if he told Thon that if he hesitates, he'll punch him. <laughs> and sure enough, he took some big shots, made some big shots. Also had a heat check air ball in overtime, but let's, let's ignore that one for now. Um, but all told, 23 points on 9 out of 12 shooting for Thon. And, you know, it, it's kind of one of these things. It, it, it is awesome that Thon can play in an NBA game right now and not be a big liability. Um, but it, it's the way he plays, too. I mean, stretching the floor being that stretch five that so few teams have and also not getting totally overwhelmed on the defensive end. I mean, it, it does worry me that he had one defensive rebound in 45 minutes this weekend, but for the most part, you know, he's holding up and that's kind of all you can expect from a guy who again was playing against high schoolers last year. And some of the guys that, you know, he's going up against, especially a, a Drummond type guy, um, if you can limit a guy like that, I mean, seven points on six shots for Andre Drummond on Friday night. Um, he got benched, I think, in overtime for Aaron Baines. Uh, that's that's a huge game for Thonmaker, and, and obviously you hope that that, that will continue on. Um, 
so yeah, I was surprised that kid went back to phone in the fourth. Um, I mean, he should have, but he's been so loath to do that that I wasn't expecting it. Um, another interesting move by kid was Michael Beasley hasn't played in, I don't know how many, two, three weeks because of his knee injury. Um, he had not played in the first half. And then with the bucks really scraping and clawing to get back in front, kid goes back to Beasley of all guys. And you're wondering, really, you're going to put an injured, a coming off injury, Michael Beasley into this game now. Uh, I think it was late third, early fourth. And I mean, he was a minus, but I think he was a minus six, minus seven, but he also had a, a couple big, big buckets. And in, the biggest one was probably off uh, a, re, a free throw that, that Giannis missed. He had a putback, gave them a nice shot in the arm. And surprisingly, the, putting Beasley in with such weird timing actually did not hurt the Bucks. Um, but anyway, that, that game was, was an absolute riot. Um, over, over time, uh, the fans, I mean, it, it was exactly what you kind of, well, you'd probably rather just have a blowout on a Friday night at home against the Detroit Pistons, but look, from an entertainment perspective, very difficult to complain about that game. Uh, one of the more fun nights all season. Sunday, well, Sunday would have been a nice capper to, to the weekend. Could have locked up a uh, uh, maybe a player of the week honor for, for Giannis. He was, again, tremendous. So, so good. I the Mavericks started Dirk at center instead of Nolan Noel, so they go small, they go five out. They looked impossible to guard, basically, especially for the Bucks. Um, again, I, I don't know how the, the Mavericks are 24th in offense with Rick Carlisle, and you know they still have weapons uh, in the backcourt. They did not have Seth Curry today, interestingly. Um, but with, with Dirk at center, Giannis was attacking the rim. I mean, he had no fear of anybody in the paint that he was going to come up against. Um, and, you know, the final line for him, 31 points, 15 boards, nine assists, four steals, two blocks. You're one of those lines that, you know, if we went up and looked it up, how many guys have had that line this season? Maybe Anthony Davis had a line like that. That, that is a Giannis line if we ever saw one. Um, and in the fourth quarter, 12 points, three assists, a steal, a block. He was, again, super aggressive, getting the rim. I think the only question mark, 40 seconds ago in the game, it's 106-103 Mavericks. Um Della Vidova gets trapped and gets forced into a jump ball. Uh, less than 10 seconds on the shot clock. Delhi wins the tip, and then Giannis gets it, and with five seconds, four seconds left on the shot clock, puts up a, a long three. I mean, it was a good look in the sense that the Mavericks were playing way off him. It was a long three. It was you know a couple steps behind three-point arc. Could have tied the game. Goes back iron. Sure, hindsight. You know, do you want Giannis jacking shots? Could he have maybe gotten a better one if he drives the hoop? Could be, sure. Uh, but honestly, uh, I, I'm not going to really try to armchair quarterback that one. It, it, I kind of like the idea that Giannis has the confidence to even try a shot like that. Um, and again, with that shot clock situation, uh, you know, chance to tie the game, a good look. Screw it. Go for it, Giannis. You deserved it. Um other than that, it was interesting because Dirk Nowitzki actually doesn't play in the fourth. And, and maybe it would have been better if he played in the fourth. He had a sore Achilles. But Harrison Barnes, man, Harrison Barnes has been an absolute Bucks killer this year. We normally think of J.J. Barea as a Bucks killer. He hit a bunch of tough shots tonight, too. But Barnes, 31 po- points on 13 shots. He made 10 out of 10 free throws, I think, all in the fourth quarter. Hit some really difficult shots. Hit a three-pointer in Giannis's face. 
hit a really difficult step back in Chris Middleton's face late in the game to, to help tie it. And Barnes completely outplayed Middleton, who, again, we've had he's had a number of these games of late. He did play well on Friday night for sure, but today, one out of eight from deep, 13 points. Um, Bucks down four, Giannis gets a steal in the final seconds. Middleton gets an open corner three. Wouldn't have changed the outcome of the game, but it kind of made sense that Middleton missed that shot. By the way, denied Giannis a triple-double, but okay, whatever. Um, I'm, I'm not bitter. I'm a, I'm a Giannis fanboy, but I'm not bitter. Um, but not a good game for, for Chris. And uh, a lot of, in a lot of ways, this was kind of a tip-your-cap tip game for Harrison Barnes. Just some really difficult shots. He had some open ones for sure, but uh, you know when, when Barnes is just sort of ISOing up from 20 feet and hitting long twos on you, I mean, that's a shot you want him to take. And tonight he just made seemingly all of them. Um, I, I made a joke on Twitter about he's, that he's hit 95% of his contested jumpers against the Bucks this year, and I was actually asked, was that a real stat? It, it feels like a real stat, but I did make it up, just to be just to be very clear. Um, other interesting thing I thought was, you know, the, the, the Mavericks go five out to start with Dirk, but when Nerland's Kitten Noel came in, only three out of four shooting, but I think all three were alley-oop dunks. He was a plus 19, and when he rolls hard to the rim, he puts opposing teams in such a conundrum because you know you could just see it. i think it was tony snell a couple times you know he's shading off of west matthews or wherever he's guarding and it's his job to tag nerland's noel when as he's rolling to the rim but if you tag nerland's noel with any force you're leaving a guy wide open on the wing and again you are you are playing a, a losing hand either way in a scenario like that um and so you know again unfortunately uh you know this, the bucks have generally defended three-point line much better Day, 14 out of 36 for the Mavs, uh, 39%, 52% overall. They made 65% two-point shots. So again, you know, this wasn't a great three-point defense night for the Bucks by any stretch, but two-point defense night was, was even worse uh, in, in that regard. And uh, unfortunately, that's that's a big reason why this, you know, the Bucks defense um, has become a thing because they've played at a slower pace and. They've allowed fewer threes, but man, everything else seems like uh, you know more dunks, more layups. Uh, it seems like they've been again been having to sort of play whack-a-mole defensively. And today, um, it was a very frustrating game of whack-a-mole. Um, other than that, today, Thon another I'd say positive game offensively. He had a, a an eight zero run mostly thanks to Giannis making nice passes to him late in the second quarter. He finished with eleven points on seven shots. Again, just one rebound, though. Zero defensive rebounds in 20 minutes. He did come back in the fourth quarter to get some minutes as well. Monroe was, again, um, kind of underwhelming. I mean, he only took two shots. Two out of two. 6.6 boards, but you know, not really what you would like to see from Greg Monroe. Uh, was not able to punish some of the uh, Mavericks' you know, smaller, less, less talented guys inside. Um, which obviously is, is a bummer because let's be honest, that's what Greg Monroe does. And if he doesn't do that, uh, you're just not going to win any, as many basketball games. Um, other interesting things. So Terrence Jones released over the weekend. Uh, Michael Beasley coming back, probably not a shock. Michael Beasley coming back and Malcolm Brogdon uh, being ruled out on Friday night and not playing Sunday either. Kind of made sense. Okay, well, yeah, get a guard. And, and that's what the Bucks do. They go out and get Gary Payton the second. Yes. The arch nemesis of most Bucks fans' son, uh, Gary Payton, 
his son, uh, Gary Payton II, had been playing for Rio Grande Valley in the D-League Oregon State product when undrafted last summer. Had a camp invite from the Rockets, uh, didn't make that roster, but a really interesting player in the sense that he's I think, about 6'3", 185, but just super physical and super physically talented. I don't know if I've seen another college point guard rebound or dunk off two feet in half court as much as Gary Payton II. Uh, almost nine rebounds per 40 minutes, almost three steals per 40 minutes, almost a block per 40 minutes. Um, he just piles up stats. Uh, or at least he did in college. I think he was averaging around 15, 6, and 3, uh, and two steals in Rio, at Rio Grande Valley. It's a big place, although it's, it's shooting. And, you know, again, if he did all those other things and he shot 35 to 37% from three, he probably would already be on an NBA roster instead. 30% three-point shooter in college, 65% from the line. Similar numbers in the D-League this year. And, and obviously in a modern NBA, that those are not things that are going to help you get jobs um, as a point guard but in his debut he was not bad at all I mean he was minus nine so okay well uh, that wasn't good but he shows up in the second half it's an open three uh, also puts it on the deck and drives on the baseline for a uh, two-footed dunk uh, which you know again didn't take him long to, to get one of those um, so he's a weird player but you know, again obvious need for the Bucks here given that they only really have two point guards on their roster and again I'd say point guard in the sense of a guy who can handle the ball and point guards don't tell me that Giannis is a point guard because he's defending power forwards mostly um so it'll be interesting you know it's obviously weird job requirements of uh, the point guards in Milwaukee because you do have Chris Middleton and Giannis uh able to soak up so much of the playmaking load so I don't know I'm, I'm fine with the signing I think he's an interesting player and um you know hopefully we won't have to see him much hopefully Malcolm Brogdon will be back uh when the Bucks head to Oklahoma City on Tuesday um but certainly guy worth a shot uh is there's a partial guarantee on his deal for next year as well. It's the old multi-year end-of-season deal, meaning uh, rest of this year and, and next year with you know usually very little money guaranteed. So hopefully Gary Payton II looks like an NBA player, shows the Bucks some things, and uh, then they have him for cheap next year as well, although who knows what it might happen with uh, with the draft and, and all that other stuff. So, um, so yeah, I, th- I think that might be it uh, for, for today. Um Kind of a mixed bag weekend. I'm sure a lot of people will be disappointed after the game on Sunday. Bucks having a chance to improve to 41 and 36. I mean, five games over 500. What the hell would that have been like? Uh, further cementing their their you know candidacy for the fifth seed. That would have been great. But the good news is the Milwaukee Bucks are playing in the Eastern Conference. The Atlanta Hawks lose again today. They lose in Brooklyn. Um, the wheels continue to come off. The Hawks bandwagon, uh, the Indiana Pacers losing double overtime in Cleveland, so they expected to lose that game, but still, always good to see those kinds of losses. They're now outside of the playoff picture entirely. Um, the Chicago Bulls did win, uh, and they're now just two games back uh, of the Bucks, but or two and a half games back of the Bucks, or no, sorry, two games back of the Bucks. But obviously, the Bucks have the tiebreaker still. You really wish you had beaten the Bulls a week ago to get that extra game cushion. Um, and the Miami Heat also lose at home to the Denver Nuggets, so uh, an unscheduled loss for them as well. Uh, if we look at the 538 standings, Bucks still 99% likely to make the playoffs, projected at 42 and 40. Hawks 41 and 41. Bulls 40 and 42. 
Heat and Pacers also at 40 and 42. So the Bucks still projected, at least according to that mathematical model, as finishing in the fifth seed. But um, final five games, just one at home. So the Bucks are going to have to continue to make some hay on the road. They fortunately have been doing that. Um, they are 18 and 19 uh, on the road. Interestingly, Bucks dropped to 22 and 18 at home with the loss today. Uh, they'll need to win their last home game in order to finish at 23 and 18, which is the exact same record they had each of the last two years. So, uh, interesting. Jason Kidd teams uh, during his tenure in Milwaukee basically been the exact same team at home every year, and the really the, the, the big swing has been on the road. Uh, last year they were awful on the road, 10 and 31. This year almost 500, and uh, obviously if you are close to 500 on the road, you give yourself a chance to uh, to make the playoffs. So. To wrap it up, Giannis is incredible. Watch those Giannis highlights this week. Uh, look at Giannis's stats. Uh, he was incredible in both games this weekend. A bit of a frustrating start on Friday, but um, incredible to see the way he wanted it and hungered for it and thirsted to win that game on Friday. The connection he showed with Thon Maker, um, that will be remembered, I think, as one of those really fun games all season. You know, maybe not certainly one of the most impressive wins all season, the way Detroit has played, but just a really fun game. Uh, a great show for anybody who was there at the Bradley Center. Um, my dad was emailing me after that game, and I, I, I talked to my dad on the phone on uh, Wednesday when I was driving back f- uh, from Dallas to Austin, and we talked for like 15 minutes about that game. So um, this is why winning is fun. You know, Maybe there's a lot of luck in what the Bucks are doing, but it's fun. You know, you're, you're talking to your friends, your loved ones about what it's like to win these close games. And, and again, you want to win blowouts. That's what the best teams do. But enjoy these games, too. So don't don't take uh, me playing uh, chicken little about, you know, well, they haven't really been that good defensively. And, uh, and point differential is not really that great. But don't take that as saying you can't enjoy these games. Enjoy them. Enjoy every win. Hell. Watch the highlights from Giannis tomorrow from this game on Sunday and enjoy that too, um, because in the big picture that's what's really important. You know, seeing Giannis, seeing Thon Maker, uh, seeing what this team can do when it's at its best, and and hopefully they'll they'll be at their best more often because we're seeing it in flashes. They're consistently being competitive. They're probably getting a bit lucky maybe to win some of these close games, but again, um, the glass half full is ultimately it's all about winning. And right now, you take any win you can get. This weekend, the Bucks split a pair. Would have been nice to win that second one. But again, the Bucks remain in the fifth seed in the East. And two weeks left, folks. Uh, we will we will hopefully see the Bucks continue to keep up some of this run of good fortune. Um, but we'll talk a lot more about that. We'll talk a little more about the week ahead uh, tomorrow with Eric when he's back. And otherwise, hope you enjoy your Monday. We'll talk to you soon. This has been Frank Madden for Locked On Bucks. Take care and, and, and watch those Giannis highlight reels. It'll make you feel better. All right. Take care.